This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the second podcast for Section 3.2 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. This one's about del cross, the curl, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 76. When we talked about divergence in chapters 1 and 2, we said that the divergence of a vector field at any point is a measure of the tendency of that field to flow more strongly away from that point than toward that point. The curl is also defined at an individual point, and rather than measuring the tendency of the vector field to flow toward or away from that point, the curl measures the tendency of the field to circulate about that point. So like the divergence, curl is defined at a point, not over an area or around a loop. But unlike the divergence, instead of measuring flow toward or away from a point, it measures flow around that point. Back on page 32 and in the podcast for del dot, the divergence in chapter 1, we define the divergence of a vector field at any point by considering a small surface around that point by taking the flux through that surface as the surface shrunk tighter and tighter around the point. That is, we allowed the volume enclosed by the surface to shrink to zero, and we asked how much flux flows through that surface. If there was a net flux away from the point, we had positive divergence. If there was a net flux toward the point, we had negative divergence. We're going to define the curl using a similar process, except instead of taking a surface around the point and letting the volume enclosed by that surface shrink to zero and asking about the flux, now we're going to make a path around the point of interest. We then ask the question, what is the circulation of the vector field around that path as the area enclosed by the path shrinks to zero. This is what's written in equation 311 on page 76. The path we're taking around the point of interest we call path C. And notice the integral on the right side of the equation in 311 is the closed path integral around C of A dot DL. We said earlier that that integral is the circulation of the vector field A around that path C. And look at what we're doing here to define the curl. We're saying as delta s, the area enclosed by path c shrinks to zero, that is we're allowing our path to go more tightly and tightly around the point of interest. As we allow that delta s to go to zero, we're asking what the circulation is per square meter of enclosed area. That's the formal definition of curl. But of course, unlike divergence, curl is a vector because when you take del cross a, you don't get a scalar you get a vector. That means it has to have a direction. The direction of the curl is the normal direction of the surface for which the circulation is a maximum. So we've used a similar procedure to develop the definition of curl as we did to develop the definition of divergence. But instead of considering flux, we're now considering circulation. We're allowing the area around the point to shrink to zero. We're defining the direction of the curl to be the normal direction to the surface around which the circulation is strongest. This is a fine definition, and it will turn out to be useful in one particular case, but to actually calculate the curl, we need a user-friendlier expression. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, you should look at the vector fields in figure 3.7 on the bottom of page 76, and ask yourself, where will the curl be strong and weak in those fields? How will you know that? Well, the way to identify a point at which the curl is strong is to find a point at which the vector field on one side is significantly different from the vector field on the other side. 
Once again, this is easiest to conceptualize if we use an analogy to flow. So imagine that these lines in figure 3.7 represent the flow lines of a moving fluid. Ask yourself, at what point is the flow on one side of that point significantly stronger or weaker or in a different direction from the flow on the other side of the point? It might help you to visualize this if you imagine having a tiny paddle wheel on a little axle that you can hold on to and holding that paddle wheel in the fluid flow and seeing if it rotates. Let's consider some of the points in figure 3-7. Look at points 1, 2, and 3, for example, in the A part of the figure. Clearly, if I hold the axis of that paddle wheel perpendicular to the page, if the fluid flow is in the plane of the page, and I drop my little paddle wheel onto point 1, it's going to rotate in a counterclockwise direction. Likewise, at 2, it's going to rotate clockwise because the push on the top of the paddle wheel is in the opposite direction from the push on the bottom of the paddle wheel. And at point 3, once again, the leftward push on the top of the paddle wheel and the rightward push on the bottom of the paddle wheel are going to cause that wheel to rotate counterclockwise. So each of those points, 1, 2, and 3, represent points of significant curl. Now look at the B part of the figure. Imagine putting your little paddle wheel at point 4 or point 5. In the case of point 4, there's a stronger flow on top of the paddle wheel than on the bottom, so the paddle wheel is going to tend to turn counterclockwise. At point 5, the flow at the top of the paddle wheel is to the right, and the bottom of the paddle wheel is to the left. That paddle wheel is going to tend to rotate in a clockwise direction. But at point 6, the flow is the same on the top and the bottom of the paddle wheel, and therefore that paddle wheel will tend not to rotate. You might say, no, it'll move to the right. We're not talking about translation here. To define the curl, we're asking, will the paddle wheel rotate? And at point 6, it will not. Likewise, in the field at point 7, which is diverging, clearly holding a paddle wheel at point 7 will not result in any rotation. So points 6 and 7 have very small or zero curl, depending on the exact nature of the fields there. Now, little paddle wheels are fine and they help you visualize where the curl may be strong or weak, but how do you actually calculate the curl if you have a mathematical expression for the vector field? That's actually fairly straightforward, as you can see in equation 312. To find the curl of A, we simply form the vector cross product between nabla, our differential or del operator, and A, the vector field. In 312, first we've written out the nabla. There's i hat times the partial with respect to x, plus j hat times the partial with respect to y, plus k hat times the partial with respect to z. And we're forming the cross product of that with vector field A, which is simply a sub x times i hat, plus a sub y times j hat, plus a sub z times k hat. Now you may remember that, that one way to calculate the cross product is to use a determinant as in equation 313 where you write the i, j, k unit vectors across the top row, the partial derivatives with respect to x, y, and z in the middle row, and the components of a in the bottom row. You then use the usual determinant rules, and I've written out what that gives in equation 314, where you see the partial of az with respect to y minus the partial of ay with respect to z times i hat, and so forth for the j hat and the k hat parts. So this really does give a vector. Unlike the divergence, which gives a scalar result, the curl has a component in the x direction, that's what's in front of the i hat, a component in the y direction, that's what's in front of the j hat, and a component in the z direction, that's what's in front of the k hat. So what do these different components mean? Well, as it says in the paragraph right after 314, 
each of these components gives you an indication of how strongly the field tends to rotate in one of the coordinate planes. So if, for example, the i-hat, the x component of the curl is large, it means that at that point of interest, the field has significant circulation about that point in the yz plane. Likewise, the component of curl in the y direction, the part in front of the j-hat, tells you the tendency of the field to rotate about that point in the xz plane. And the component of the curl in the k-hat direction tells you the tendency of the field to rotate about that point in the xy plane. Now you may be thinking, okay, but there are two normal directions to each of those planes. Which do I choose? And the answer to that is to use the right-hand rule, which says you curl the fingers of your right hand in the direction of circulation, and your thumb tells you the direction of the curl. Now one thing that always bothered me when I first learned this when I was an undergraduate was why I was subtracting the change in, for example, the y part of the vector field with respect to z from the change in the z part with respect to y, and why those indicated whether the field was circulating about some point. So I've tried to explain that using figure 3.8 on the top of page 78. Look at the a part of the figure first. We're trying to figure out whether the curl is large or small about the point that is the little dot in the middle of the figure. The field itself is represented by those four arrows around it. Now using the paddle wheel test, you can see immediately that in the A part of the figure, there ought to be significant curl because the paddle wheel would certainly rotate counterclockwise in this case. But how do the mathematics of equation 314 tell us that? Let's consider the Z part of A first. If we start off on the left side of the point, clearly AZ is negative because the arrow there is pointed downward toward the negative Z direction. So A sub Z is negative on the left of the point. And as you proceed along the y-axis to the right, a sub z becomes positive because it's pointing up on the right side of the point. So a sub z has changed from a negative value to a positive value. That means the change in a sub z with y, because we're proceeding in the y direction, is positive. Now look at the y part of a. Start at the bottom of the point and consider moving to the top. When you're below the point, a sub y points to the right, that is its positive. It's pointing along the positive y-axis. As you move above the point, a sub y becomes negative because it's pointing to the left above the point. So therefore, the change in a sub y with z is negative. It goes from a positive a sub y below the point to a negative a sub y above the point. Therefore, the partial of a sub y with respect to z is negative. Now look back at equation 314. To find the x component of the curl, we're taking this change in a sub y with z, which we said was negative, and we're subtracting it from the partial of a sub z with respect to y, which we said was positive. So we have a positive number minus a negative number. That minus a negative number makes it positive again, and we get a big value for the x component of the curl as you would expect, because this field clearly is rotating about the point in the yz plane. Now look at the vector field in the b part of the figure. In this case, our previous analysis for the z part of a is exactly the same. It's negative to the left of the point and positive to the right of the point. That means the change in a sub z with respect to y is positive in that case again. But now look at the change in a sub y with z. When we start out at a small value of z, that is below the point, a sub y is to the left, it's negative. When we go above the point, a sub y is to the right, it's positive. So in this case, 
the change in a sub y with z is also positive. Therefore, when we take the first term in equation 3.14, the partial of a sub z with respect to y is positive, and the partial of a sub y with z is also positive in this case. We get a positive number minus a positive number. That term is small. If they were identical, it's zero. So unlike the a part of the figure, the b part of the figure has a vector field that has very small or zero curl about the point in question. By the way, as it points out in the middle paragraph on page 78, if there's a vector field that has zero curl everywhere within it, that field is called irrotational. The end of this section simply gives you expressions for curl in cylindrical and spherical coordinates. Those are equations 315 and 316.